your show our show it's here it's here introducing hello and welcome to we need to talk this is valerie traoré i am your host we need to talk your one-stop radio show on african culture politics fashion sex travel technology activism developments and money and their impact on africans living in africa your one-stop radio show on african culture we need to talk every first friday 7 p.m to 8 p.m and a rebroadcast that sunday from 6 30 p.m to 7 30 p.m on west africa democracy radio We need to talk. We need to talk. Now closer to you. Oh yes. You can now listen to We Need to Talk with Valerie. Have you been listening to us? In Liberia on Alternative Youth Radio 98.9 FM. In the Gambia. It is Hot FM 104.3. In Nigeria on Aso FM Abuja 93.5 FM. In Ghana. In Ghana. Focus FM. 94.3 Kumasi and in Sierra Leone African Young Voices 101.6 FM in your home in your car or sitting on the bench at the market wherever you're listening to this hi nice to meet you we need to talk with Valerie join your conversation amazing topics and just what you need to hear Africa it's time to speak And welcome to the seventh episode of We Need to Talk. Really, really excited that this has gotten to this point. This is the show where we talk about all things Africa. We talk about the good, we talk about the bad, the ugly, the pretty. Uh, my name is Valerie Traoré. I'm your host and really excited to be joining all of you, be it in Ghana, in Liberia, in Nigeria, in Senegal. Um, in Sierra Leone, as well as, where else did I forget? Of course, in Liberia. Welcome, this is We Need to Talk. A few uh, weeks ago, I heard that my dear friend had published a book called But Where Are You Really From? And of course, uh, knowing how brilliant she is and, and how just wise and an amazing person she is. I ran to pre-order the book before it was actually released. And then finally, when I got it, I thought I was going to read the experience of somebody else. And then the more I dug into it, so much of it spoke to me. This question of identity as an African living in another country, but an African who has traveled to other countries in Africa as well as outside, as an African um that is today sending, spending space and time elsewhere and that continues to interact. There are so many stories about where we're from, uh, what we learned along the way that resonated that when there was an opportunity to have this moment of just unpacking this question, I thought it would be so fascinating to have this discussion. But before I introduce her, I do want to introduce all of you to my co-host today. And uh, my co-host is Tasha, Tasha Mills, who... I'm really, really excited that she's here because she's also a friend, a colleague, and an African-American living in Dakar, Senegal, and has been here for a while. So her experience in this question of where are you really from is also relevant. So welcome, Tasha. Thank you, Valerie. So I'm glad. really excited to be here. This is going to be a great, <laughs> great, great conversation. Yes. And uh, let's move on to a sweeper before we come back to talk and introduce you to Amanda. <laughs> This is Mimi Kalinda, Senegal, Liberia, Ghana, Nigeria, the Gambia, Sierra Leone. 
stand up and tune in to my girl Valérie Traoré on her show We Need to Talk. Much needed, on time, relevant, compelling, uh, and absolutely the time where we need to address some of these topics that she's addressing on her show. Tune in, do not miss it. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, your host, Valérie Traoré. This is still We Need to Talk. Today, we're talking about identity. We're talking about how do you answer and how do you feel about the question, but where are you really from? Joining us today to unpack this is Amanda Kozimukwashi. Amanda, the official um, description or I guess bio is that Amanda is the CEO of Christian Aid, um, with whom I have the pleasure to serve. She recently authored this book, But Where Are You Really From?, that resonated so much with me and that will resonate, I think, with everyone who is living in a space wherever. It could be the neighboring town, it could be the neighboring country, it could be across a continent, that where the different identities come together. She's of Zambian heritage, but that's even a big question that we'll unpack today. Is that really what it is? She was born in the UK, raised across the world, a journey of race, culture, and identity, which she explores in the new book. I do want to say also, Amanda is somebody that I respect immensely. She's a brilliantly kind person in all the ways, and I'm really, really honored to have you here. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much, Valerie. It's my pleasure, also just a privilege. Um, I think it's a mutual admiration club here. Um, oh. You have my respect. That's the, thank you so much. As with all the guests, Amanda, we like to start by understanding what their reference or what their filters are or, or what their anchor is. So I'm going to start with the question, what are you in service of, Amanda? Um, I think the short answer to that, Valerie, is uh, social justice, I think, uh, is the short, short of it. There is so much injustice that we see around the world. Um, and uh, I think that we all have a duty somehow in our own private spaces, um, in the broader world, just to try and make things better for all of us. Uh, we only have one home, and it should be a home for everyone. Absolutely. Linked to that, how do you see this journey? Not just the writing of the book, because this journey of growth and identity as serving social justice or as being about social justice. Um, I, th I think that you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to tell the world that I am more than the CEO of Christian Aid. I am more than my resume. My story matters, and the story of every individual matters and uh, is deserving to be heard. And um, and I guess in saying that, uh, what I'm saying is that it's not just a, a nice story. It's a nice. It's a story about my humanity, about who I am, about the challenges, the hopes, the dreams, and uh, uh, all those things that um, are important to us as, as human beings. That uh, regardless of the color of your skin or where you're coming from, uh, go through them, and uh, and we want them, and, and so we should be listened to. Uh, and I think that is about social justice. That's about um, saying that we are all equal. Right? Uh, we might be different, but we are equal, uh, created um, in the image of God for me. Uh, and that's where my equality comes from. Where are you from, Amanda? 
million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I'm from Zambia. You're from Zambia. You're not giving me the space to ask, but where are you really from? Uh, that's well. I, that's why I wanted to say that I'm from Zambia. But uh, uh, when you look at my heritage, uh, what you see is uh, my grandparents, um, my maternal grandparents, came from Zimbabwe. They migrated in the 1940s to Zambia. And uh, from my paternal side, which I don't talk about in the book uh, so much, uh, they migrated from South Africa many, many, many years ago, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I have lived, I've lived in Zambia, I've lived in Germany, uh, I've lived in Italy, I've lived in the UK. And I think each, each part of each country and each place where I've stayed has uh, rubbed off on me. And uh, there's a bit of my heart in there and uh and it's my home and so uh it's not a very easy answer for me to say where are you from mm-hmm. but the place that i feel i think most attached to as a human being is probably zambia and the united kingdom so this question amanda but where mm-hmm. are you really from why does it matter well it, it matters to me uh valerie because uh i think like i was saying that i've lived in a number of countries and um, I think this question became a source of uh, irritation, frustration, and sadness um, when I moved to live in the United Kingdom, a country that is predominantly white, uh, where I, as a black woman, am in the minority. And uh, despite the fact that I was born here, uh, if somebody asks me the question, where are you from? And I say, I'm from London, you know, Twickenham, or I'm from Coventry, where I live, it would always be followed by, no, 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 but where are you really from? And uh, it, began, it became very clear to me that um, there was an element of rejection in there, rejection that my answer was not the right answer, that a people from Coventry or from London or from uh, indigenous uh, English people did not look like me and they didn't sound like me. Oh, we're not right? supposed to look like you. Oh, I'm not supposed to look like me. Uh, I think that's more accurate. And um, and then I realized that it wasn't just me. In talking to friends, people that I met, I found that that question was being asked. So, you know, you could meet a woman who is uh, has got dual heritage in terms of an English uh, p- uh, parent and a Chinese parent. And still... She would be she or he would be asked, but where are you really from? You know, denying uh, denying us the right to be able to call this place home and say I'm from here, and so it has normalized uh, exclusion, right? It has normalized the othering of individuals, mm-hmm. you know, pushing you back all the time, pushing you away, mm-hmm. and uh, not allowing you to get into a space of comfort. Um, Amanda, why do you think? That that is one of the first questions that people ask. Um, I, I say that maybe I didn't understand your question. I, I think I say it's one of the first questions that people ask. They they, they first ask where are you from, and uh, the, the but when I answer, yes, <laughs> yes. So so when I answer the the and I give them an answer, and the answer doesn't satisfy them. Mm. Okay, uh, because the answer doesn't give them the stereotypical image and characteristic that they want to see and associate with, uh, with either somebody who looks like me and sounds like me or somebody who looks like them and sounds like them, mm. right? And so they immediately push back and say, no, 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 
but where are you really from? And the minute they say that, they negate everything that I have said. Absolutely. And maybe ask okay. Natasha what, what her experience is, because you've been here for a few years, and one of the things that you keep saying is that people make a lot of assumptions, even you know, looking at you, and mm-hmm. you're black, yes. but you're still, uh, you're living in a predominantly black country, yes. but how are you treated? What's, what's the, the, the immediate reaction to you? Yeah. Such an interesting question because it, it's really been in context. Um, I can be uh, walking down the street and someone who I have not spoken to will speak to me in English. And I say, well, do I not look Senegalese? Why are I not speaking French? A well of to me. Um, but then just last week on a Friday, um, when I was dressed actually in traditional garb and was not speaking, um, I did experience, uh, uh, had a different experience. Um, was treated a little bit different because uh, they thought that I was um, Senegalese or from Africa and not from America. So my experience, um, once they do speak to me, um, I have experienced that, oh, you're from America. Mm-hmm. And so you are... Um, special and uh, better than yeah that's what i was gonna add, come back to you amanda and ask you mm-hmm. in in this secondary question but where are you really from one of the really interesting thing you say about in the book is to what extent people automatically start rating you on a scale and on a scale of humanity on a scale of worth on a scale of intelligence on a scale of of um just history and experience and all of that how do you how do you live in a space where that is always a gauge in your relationship with people and do you sense that that's how people that's why people ask you know i'm going to quote the words of uh, the, the theologian called dante's word i didn't speak um at a uh, at another sort of um, discussion that was being held and he said it takes tremendous courage to wake up every morning, go out there and know that when you get on the train, you sit down, people will look at you and um, they will put you in a box where they think um, uh, people with this color that you have belong, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so to answer your question, I think that it's, um, it, it's exhausting, I think mm-hmm. is, is, the, is, the, is the answer because you're, you're always having to second guess everything mm-hmm. around you. You know, you're watching what you say. Um, you know, you, you get on the train, you get off the train, you mm-hmm. know that um, you're being judged by the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Right? You walk into a shop, for example, you, go, you walk into a supermarket uh, in, the, in, the, in the UK or a small shop. And as a, as a black person, you know that um, when they ask you, do you want to take the receipt or not, you're going to say yes. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I do. And the reason is, not because I think I need it, right? I would like to see, because that's just additional paper that you're wasting. But I know that if anything went wrong, the first suspect would be me. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the color of my skin, right? Yeah. And, and so uh, while Tasha talks about you know, um, coming from America and Senegal, she said, you know, they look up to her. Uh, here in the UK, and I think in other European countries, um, when you're black, you're looked down on. Mm-hmm. So you're at the bottom of the food chain, right? 
um, so it's quite interesting that um, if, you're, if you're an African-American coming to Africa, uh, because you speak differently, you're looked up on, you're at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I wanted to add, and Natasha has probably something to say about that, is that I, I don't know why, but everybody assumes that I am American, even before speaking to me. <laughs> you look American. But what does that mean? I, I mean, the thing is, I look like my family. Yes. I look like my community. I look like everybody that was raised with me. But yet, when people ask me, where are you from? And I say Burkina Faso. Everybody will turn around and say, but really, you must have grown up in the U.S. I didn't. You must have lived outside of Burkina. I lived pretty much in Burkina and in West Africa. Or they will say, your accent, your language, the way you stand. And all Mm. of the, the physical aspects of me are purely what my people are. So what you're doing is saying, what my people are should not walk with the confidence that I walk mm. with. What my people yeah. are should not talk with the fluency that you speak English. What my people are mm. should not dare to walk around blonde hair, six feet mm-hmm. tall, and unapologetic. Mm-hmm. That if you have mm-hmm. that, somehow you, are own, you owe that to another culture. Mm-hmm. You cannot yeah. owe those good things to your own culture. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's another way of looking at it where I don't necessarily get questioned in American circles. Where mm-hmm. in African American circles, people would, you know, automatically assume that I am one of theirs. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. is it's fine. But what you're saying also at the same time is I am not one of my own. Um, yeah. And and I yeah. find that interesting because it does say something about the way we rank um, ourselves and what does that mean for how we feel about our own selves and our own culture and what the perception is. Absolutely, because I get that since I've been here. Um, based on what you just said about the behaviors. When I got here, some of the feedback I would get, all oh, that direct American, because if I'm having a conversation and I'm being direct, then that's a characteristic of someone from America. Mm-hmm. And back to the original um, kind of statement we were talking about, it's a shift for me. You know, I will say when I got here, how elated I was to be in an environment where I was surrounded by the majority of black people. It was not the case when I was in uh, the States. And I remember being here probably two weeks and just being like, wow, this is this mm-hmm. is amazing mm-hmm. to be, you know, go to the grocery store in the workplace. Because back in the States, it was it was the actual opposite because it's so segregated in the States. Mm-hmm. You actually have to go to a black area to only be surrounded by black people and then in the workplace and especially if you start to move up in the workplace you tend to be pretty much a very select few of of black people within the workplace so coming here um, actually just was Mm. so warming for me Mm -hmm. Um, and I have enjoyed having that and being in a workplace you know where you're surrounded by all black people and not just being the one of the select yeah. few. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also think, I think coming back, Valerie, to what you were saying about, you know, you, you get judged, uh, you know, six foot tall, blonde, very confident, and apologetic. I think it, it speaks to, first of all, what do we, what, what does good look like? Mm-hmm. Okay. And who defines what good is and what good looks like? And I think we've bought into that story, right? We've bought into that story that says um, 
somebody else defines what good looks like. Absolutely. And therefore, um, who should wear that, that quality of goodness? Mm-hmm. So um, when, when you talk about, um, let's say, African women and leadership, sometimes you will hear comments like, uh, wow, you know, uh, like it's a real surprise that, you know, there's an African woman who is really good. Yeah. And you're wondering and you're thinking, why are you, why are you surprised? Absolutely. You know, why does it surprise you that people who look like me and sound like me and come from uh, a, a continent uh, like I, you know, like I've come from, are brilliant? Mm. Okay. Why? Why would that surprise anybody? And it's quite frustrating, actually. Yeah. Because uh, I try to say I'm not unique in that way. Exactly. Okay. Because. Uh, when you go, whether you go to Zambia, whether you go to Zimbabwe, Kenya, Malawi, Senegal, Ghana, I mean, there's so many, many women who are just brilliant and extraordinary. The, the question right. of who, who sets the standard for exactly. how do we judge that? Because w- w- one of the, the things that I've noticed, and I've said this over and over again, is that we are also not recognizing that within our spaces, right? Whenever you, you, you present yourself or you go for a project, I could stand next to somebody from anywhere on the continent, a woman who is smarter than I am, has more experience than I am, has more expertise than I am. But just because I sound American, mm-hmm. I will get treated differently than somebody mm-hmm. and I will get more access than somebody mm-hmm. who hasn't. And sometimes the different codes that you have that you can speak to somebody about Oh yeah, I I was in Thailand last year and this development speaker for and you say yeah 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 I've been to Thailand too. All of a sudden, there's a connection that is made, that is based on an European or Eurocentric standard of of travel and of going around mm-hmm. the world that have nothing to do with whether I have integrity more than this other person. That has nothing yeah. to do with whether I'm smarter or whether I'm mm-hmm. kinder or whether I have more expertise in anything. But it's yeah. just this looks and we've put in these boxes of this is what it should be and this person feels more comfortable to me. I'm not threatening because but, my accent is not as strong because yeah. I don't look as different as somebody else who may not walk around the world feeling like they fit into that mold. But based on your but, uh, example that you just said, that mm-hmm. kind of goes to that um, she has power, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I want to connect with her or I think that she shares the same power with me because, like you said, she's traveled. So you have that. Now it goes into what level, right? Because you've traveled, you speak well, you have power. And now either... I feel like you are on the same level with me if but if you speak the same way. I don't think I feel like I'm on the same level as you. I think you look or you sound closer to me. Mm. I still have a hierarchy. Yeah. You're still black. You're still mm. lower. Mm. But mm-hmm. others that actually have their own way. I, I, I don't and I don't know what you think about this, Amanda. I don't think it's about necessarily the power. It's you speak good. But what is good? Mm-hmm. What, that's, that's what. Yeah, and that's why I was saying um, that uh, it's it's about first of all what is good, who has defined what is good, and who has defined where you can get that goodness from, mm-hmm. right? Um, so um, if I go to school in uh, in Lusaka in Zambia, I, I I went to the University of Zambia. I've lived all my life there. And I have achieved. Does it mean that I can't be good? I can't be as good as somebody else who's um, uh, acquired 
uh, their education and experience in, let's say, in the UK or in the US, mm-hmm. right? So is the Zambian goodness not good enough? And, and, and I think that um, the, when you look at this grading of uh, who is better than who in terms of that, uh, that uh, definition of good, part of, I come back to what are the lies that we have believed ourselves mm-hmm. because we've become part of that judging panel uh, that will applaud um, education from somewhere else, mm-hmm. uh, experience from somewhere else, um, you know, everything that is um, uh, foreign in the sense that it's uh, sort of white is good and everything that is black is mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. And I think personally, we've bought into that concept. We've bought into that. That's the reason why, Valerie, um, people can look at you and say, you are not from Burkina because they think that you look like you're from the U.S. Mm-hmm. or you look like you're somewhere from Europe, right? And therefore, it must be good. It must be brilliant. Mm-hmm. You must be exceptional. Um, and when you say to them, actually, I am brilliant, I am exceptional, but I'm homebrew, you know. And I look like all of my family and they all look and sound like me. And they all absolutely. have the skills and they're the right. ones that raised yeah. me. So I whatever exactly. goodness you want to associate with me, you associated with that first. And that's what I'm trying to say in my book. What I'm trying to say is that don't look at me and say, you know, Amanda has got um, very strong integrity. Uh, therefore, she must have learned it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? No, 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 no. That came from my home, from my grandparents, my parents. Uh, my grandparents were not educated in terms of academic qualifications. But I tell you what, um, they knew what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. They knew, you know, they had the, they had the very strong values uh, of what is good, what is right, and the, the respect, the dignity, all that, the love, it was instilled in the village, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, I, and I guess that's what I mean when I'm talking about, about, about good. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, earlier on, I think, Tasha, you mentioned power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I think it's, uh, I want to throw in the, the whole concept of fear mm-hmm. because what stops, what stops somebody from accepting that, you know, as a, as a black woman, I am just as good and I'm equal. And sometimes maybe I am better in terms mm-hmm. of my skills. Mm-hmm. Okay. What stops them from acknowledging that? For me as an individual, but for us as a people, mm-hmm. I think it's fear. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. We have to take a break. Um, and I do want to come back and touch on a couple of things that you said. Primarily, I want us to dig a little bit on what are those lies that we have adopted, the lies that have been told about us for so long, but the lies that mm-hmm. we have taken and that we perpetrate and that we continue to believe. And in believing them, we continue to transfer them. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back in just about mm-hmm. 30 seconds. We need to talk. We need to talk. Now closer to you. Oh, yes. You can now listen to We Need to Talk with Valerie. Have you been listening to us? In Liberia on Alternative Youth Radio, 98.9 FM. In the Gambia. It is hot FM. 104.3 in Nigeria on Aso FM Abuja 93.5 FM in Ghana, in Ghana Focus FM 
94.3 Kumasi and in Sierra Leone African Young Voices 101.6 FM in your home in your car or sitting on the bench at the market wherever you're listening to this hi nice to meet you we need to talk with Valerie join the conversation amazing topics and just what you need to hear Africa it's time to speak Welcome back to this such an enlightening and I think personal conversation for all of us. Uh, this question of identity and particularly what are the things that have been that we have taken on and that we have accepted as truth and that we have not questioned. We're talking today to Amanda Mukwashi, CEO of Christian Aid, um, who just released this amazing book called "But Where Are You Really From?" Really challenging some of the things that we the microaggressions that we live through every day and um also joined by tasha mills as a co-host and this conversation has taken us to start thinking about what are those things that start as microaggressions um but that we end up accepting and don't question anymore amanda earlier you talked about some of the things that we have taken on and that we have accepted one of those that i really enjoyed reading about the book is the notion that black women don't support each other i mean i've heard it we've heard it along the way that it's such a we're cutthroat we pull each other down um that african women are not supportive and that extends to all black women obviously can you talk a little bit about why that was special because you dedicate a whole chapter to it why that was special to you i think um it, it was it was very special to me because um I think it's a lie uh, that uh, we've believed, we've internalized, mm-hmm. and um, and and so when we see other black women, we, it's almost like we we are ready to fight, mm. right? We are ready to fight, so we are emanating from ourselves the negative um, rather than embracing the positive. And and I'm, the reason why I'm calling it a lie is that, um, of course, there will be a number of black women who don't support other black women, mm-hmm. or a number of women who don't support other women, or indeed, a number of men who don't support other men. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there's, a, there's that human failing that is common right across. The lie that I'm talking about is a lie that almost says predominantly as black we don't support each other. Right. And mm-hmm. yet, when and that's what I'm calling a lie because my experience is that from from growing up uh, and even as an adult when I came uh, when I moved from Zambia to the UK, uh, it was uh, it was a woman said to me when you get to the UK and things get tough and she said to me and they will ask me um, there's a whole black sisterhood uh, that will support you. So when I started analyzing that, I realized that when I am upset, I call a sister, and she's a black woman. Mm-hmm, yes. When I wanted someone to help me with my children, I call other black sisters, they're black women, you know? Um, and they'll go out of their way to talk to my children, to support them. When my daughter was fundraising, she was going on a trip, I sent a message to all my friends, and... Uh, Every single one of them uh, donated something, and it was all from Auntie this one, Auntie Jacqueline, Auntie Barry, Auntie Tatcha, and you know, mm-hmm. and when you really start to analyze that, right? So even as CEO, I can have an executive coach, but it is my black sisters that I go to 
when I'm really struggling, mm-hmm. okay? And they're always there, Valerie. They're always there. Mm-hmm. They're there um, uh, just to listen. They're there to give advice. They're there to support. And so my question was, why don't we talk about them? Yeah. Why don't we talk about just how fantastic this network that we take for granted is? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, we take each other so much for granted. Right? Um, I'm sure that it, for both of you, you have good friends who called you and said, oh, can you, can you mentor my daughter? Or can you talk to my son? Mm-hmm. Or can you... All that is a network. I think that sometimes we don't give due, you know, due credit to. And that's why I just wanted to say my truth around the black sisterhood is not a truth. It's not about pull her down, uh, pull her down syndrome. Mm-hmm. My truth was about lift up. You know, I am where I am because I've been lifted up uh, by black sisters. That black sister network is a therapy it's a therapy session uh-huh. I know <laughs> when uh-huh. there you know as you speak about it that's exactly uh, how I feel if there is something going on and I need to talk to someone you say either we need a girlfriend weekend or I'm coming over to sit on your balcony and we're going to talk and you have the best therapy sessions uh, in that type of circle. And I want to go back to you talked a little bit about just this is where values are important. And this is where I feel that connection is with that sisterhood is that we come from the same value systems mm-hmm. and be able to connect mm-hmm. and and touch and agree and get love. Mm-hmm. It is so important. Mm-hmm. This is where I I gravitate and run because I'm like, I need that love. And we connect with those values. The one thing I took I, I, from, I, from that, uh, from both of mm-hmm. what you said is, and this is my experience as well. So when I was reading that chapter, it was, it rang so true because from the time I was three years old to today, like my ride or die, as I say, there's so many mm-hmm. that have stepped up. The thing is, we know this, but this is why yeah. I appreciated that, but we don't speak of it mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. So we've let the narrative be dominated by this lie. And yeah. we don't challenge that lie anymore. Because I have heard and I've heard and I've heard myself and others say, Yeah, something mm-hmm. wrong happened. Yeah, another black sister doing that. So the consciousness that we need to have, because if we're honest with ourselves, it's a lie. I think every mm-hmm. single one of us mostly can look at her life and say there were not necessarily all of them, but there were some that pulled you up. Mm-hmm. Some that were there, but yet, because that is the generalized narrative that mm-hmm. I don't know how it was created, but it was created and we've accepted it as a lie, we don't consciously and actively go and challenge it and speak about the other side. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm not saying that you won't find systems who you find, uh, but out of, um, out of 10 systems that surround you, chances are that nine we're trying to lift you up mm-hmm. but it's right? not even that uh, that that you won't find sisters that won't pull you down you will find people mm-hmm. that will pull you down mm-hmm. exactly it's yeah. not just about yeah. sisters being bad it's about human beings yes. some are good and some are bad mm-hmm. and out of those yes. some yes there are going to be some black and sisters that will yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and so i just felt that you know i couldn't tell my story that my story would not be complete um, if 
I didn't mention the network of sisters, even when I want to pray, you know, uh, I've got sisters who are perpetually praying for me in my mm. home, you mm. know. Um, and so when, uh, I think one of the other things that I talk about uh, at Black Sisterhood was, um, uh, and so, you know, when you're asking me, who are your mentors, for example, right? I would start at home. I want to start by those familiar faces who mm. be there for me, okay? And I don't necessarily want always to um, to mention names of people who, in terms of, going back to that conversation about who is good and what does good look like, right? Um, that I have to struggle to find, you know, that name that I know that everybody else is going to relate to. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I want to talk about people in my own community who have and have fought against gender injustice, mm-hmm. um, who has championed social justice in the homes, in the village, in the community. Those are my mentors. Those are the people that I look to. And I think, I want to be like my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to be like my mother. Right? I want to be like Auntie so, so Those are the people for me um, that uh, we don't say, we don't talk about them enough, Valerie, yeah. Tasha, mm-hmm. you know. And we don't actually, uh, we, we don't actually yeah. know. We, those are people whose experience, whose resilience, whose ups and downs we know. But the people that are so far removed from us that we see on the TV and we're like, I don't, I want to be like you or I, 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 um, I admire you. They're people whose lived experience we don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's yeah. true. And I feel the same way that when you start to ask yourself, who do you admire? They're the people mm-hmm. that I have seen go through things. Yeah. 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 yeah, and Amanda, it sounds like this is where the grandmother, your mother, this is where your social mm-hmm. justice came from, your duty to try to make things better for everyone, because it sounds like they lived that for you. Yes, yes, no, they they did, and don't forget that. Um, you know, part of my story is that uh, my father died when I was uh, two years old, right, um, and my mother, a young woman, was left with the, these children. And um, her family just stood in the gap. They came in and they said, okay, we'll take these girls, we'll look after them. They will go to school, we'll educate them. I, you know, and all that love, you know, um, I got from the home. And so sometimes when I, like living in the UK, when you get a sense that people look at, look at us as black people and somehow we think like we don't know what love is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that, that's the, the other lie, for example, when you talk about black men, right? Uh, the lie that uh, we've been told is black men are bad, mm-hmm. right? They're bad. That's the narrative that you read about, right? They're to be feared. Uh, they're violent. Mm-hmm. They're all sorts of things. And it, it doesn't matter which part of the world you're in. Yes. It's just to what degree and what shape does it look like. But it's that's the dominant narrative and yet my experience and the experience of i think lots of uh people uh in our communities there are a lot of good black men out there yes they good are. black black fathers uncles brothers you know that really good people yes one of the things that we haven't enough about them we haven't touched about that is what does this narrative do for us because you, you, we raise girls to grow up to assume that black men are bad. 
So the what they learn to expect from a black man is also framed by that lie. And that is yeah. dangerous. It's also the same way we raise girls to grow up and say, your next door sister is going to hurt you. She doesn't want to help you. Those men, so we're, we're in addition to the fact that we live in a world that doesn't necessarily like us for the color of our skin, for mm -hmm. our accent, for where we're from, within that, we then own it and we're afraid of our own people. Mm. Or exactly. we pull them down because we think if I don't do it, they're going to do it first because mm -hmm. we're told they're violent, they're dangerous, they're hateful and all of that. And how, when we per perpetrate that, what does that do for our own identity, our self-love, how mm -hmm. we navigate this world? Mm -hmm. and, and, and let's be very clear that uh, this, this uh, acknowledgement of the, that, um, uh, this truth that, you know, that good black men out there, that good black women, uh, doesn't mean that we don't recognize and condemn any violence of course. from mm -hmm. black men, you know, um, and that we turn a blind eye to it. No, 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 not at all. It's just that we're not just one thing as a people. Yes. Okay. And I think, too, Valerie, to your question, you know, everyone has a plethora of experiences. You know, you and I have talked about our relationship with our fathers, and it was, and they, it was great, yeah. right? We can hear another story of someone who has a horrible relationship with their father. There could have been abuse. There could be anything. So they are entering the world with that. Mm -hmm. This is why black men, they're not good. Mm -hmm. So this is where... I, we, I can continue to go back to, you know, uh, Amanda's statement about each person making something better. So that good man can be involved in a community, can be involved in mentoring other young men to change that narrative, to change that story. Yeah. Because th that woman, she did. She had a bad experience. So, yes, to her, yeah. the truth is there aren't any black, good black men. Yes. Yeah. But I also yeah. think that we all have a responsibility with good experience to scream it from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're not doing. Mm. Yeah. To scream it from the yeah. rooftops, not to say there's a single story, not to say they're all good. We're all, nobody, mm -hmm. no race, no community, nobody's all good. Yeah. But mm -hmm. the major narrative about us as black women and black men is that we're all bad mm -hmm. for some reason. And we're yeah. not countering yeah. that with what is the good so that this woman who had a bad experience can go out in the world and say there is hope because I'm hearing of all those great stories. Yeah. If all she mm -hmm. heard is all of the bad stories, she walks into that space saying it's all bad anyway. So yeah. what's the point? And learns to say mm -hmm. I can either take the take it mm -hmm. because that's as good as it's going to get, or I can just retreat. And, I, and that's what I'm saying. To what extent do we shift the narrative, even publicly, about the good? Because it's been so dominated by the bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think I want to quote um, this song um, from Bob Marley, Free Yourself from Mental Slavery, right? Because I think that um, each one of us has the... Uh, some responsibility um, to to understand uh, what some of the drivers, our patterns of thought, the things that influence us and have shaped us uh, in terms of uh, how we look at things, right? Um, so when when you, we want to change the dominant narrative that is not true. We always have to free ourselves and redefine what good is. Mm -hmm. Is it, or maybe not redefine what good is, but see that there's good in us, that there's, there's good 
uh, in our own communities. And that good that's in our communities is, is equal to the good that is in different communities. It's, it's not that good is better than this good. Mm-hmm. So it's not about competing. Um, uh, but it's, it's really about, um, say, uh, there are black women, there are African women who are fantastic leaders, right? Yes. No ifs, no buts. End mm-hmm. of story. <laughs> okay? The same way that you'll find fantastic leaders um, who are white mm-hmm. or who are, you know, non-white. Um, and that should be on the basis of either your education, your values, your integrity. The, you know, uh, let's change the yard, the measuring. Yeah. Um, uh, what call this? Yeah, the yardstick, the benchmark uh, of what good is made up of, right? Yes. And let's make it more human rather than uh, based on color. Let's change the benchmark. And let's make it more human. If that's th- those are amazing words to take us towards the end of, of this conversation. It's over. It's it's it, it goes by so fast when you're having what? fun. It goes by. It's so fast when you're having fun. It's just there's so much to unpack. Uh, every single statement is is powerful and is deep in itself. And as Amanda, as you you, you mentioned uh, before we come back and actually close it formally, you mentioned Bob Marley. Is there a song that um, is meaningful to you that you think either carried you through the years or has carried you through writing this book that? You know, I hope everybody will just pick up because it's just so powerful um, that you want to introduce and that we can play for our listeners. Um, apart from the song, well, not not one that has carried me through writing this book. I, I I'm somebody who loves um, I love gospel. Mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm. uh, listening to to music that way, and. Um, so I have a song for for different times, you know. Um, it just depends on what song is available at that time. But when I wrote this book, one of those songs was um, the song by Tasha Cobbs that I talked about, uh, You Know My Name, okay. because I just wanted to say, you know, God knows my name. Mm-hmm. I think I say this to you, the trees know who I am. And... Uh, and it sounds like a simple statement, but what I was trying to say is, you know, uh, I'm unapologetic about being alive, being me, and and claiming my space, mm-hmm. right? And and demanding to be heard, right? And to be treated with respect and dignity. Yes, and because as long I'm as part of, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm part of. Uh, I'm part of uh, the the universal creation, right? Mm-hmm. The, the God's creation of the universe, and um, you know, He created uh, the tree. He put the trees, and He said it was good. He made the trees, and He said it was good, and he made me, and He said it was good. good. Yes, He did. And as long as He knows your name, that is all that matters. There we Absolutely. go. So we're going to play this song right now for our listeners. There we go.
I hope that song was uh, just as much of a blessing to all of us and, and to Amanda um, as it was to you all listening. This is We Need to Talk, and we're just wrapping up this amazing conversation with Amanda Mukwashi, CEO of Christian Aid, um, a, my personal person also. I'll claim you as my personal person. And I just wanted to come back and say thank you. I mean, there's there's so much to unpack, and I do want to find a way for us to have you on the show again. Mm-hmm. It's been great to have uh, Tasha here with you, just to engage with you. Just thank you for that. To everybody listening, go and pick up this book. Um, challenge some of the assumptions that are in there. Write to us. Tell us what you think, what your experience is, how you're living some of the things that she's raising. And if there's anything, let's keep on taking our space. Yes. And uh, any last words from you, Amanda, before we let you go? Well, just to say thank you so much, Valerie. Thank you, Tasha. But also just to all those who are listening, I just want to say, let's tell our story mm. because we are worth it. We really are. Yes, Our yes. story must be heard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. That was, whew, yeah. that was a, a real interesting conversation. Whew, yes. Tasha. <laughs> yes. This this was intense. Um, that was a conversation in a in a really good way. Yes. Um, did that resonate with you? 
Absolutely. Anything in particular? There's so much. Like I'm, I'm really trying to even distill in my head the gems and the the pieces of mm-hmm. it that I'm mm-hmm. I'm holding on to. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you know after having read the book, I thought you know there was not much we could say in this conversation that would be different that I would add. But this mm-hmm. was uh, definitely uh, just as rich. Although there's parts of the book that we didn't touch, but uh, right. so rich. No, I thought it was rich. A lot resonated with me, and it's interesting. T- I loved being able to share our very specific stories Mm -hmm. that showed the commonalities, but also the differences Mm -hmm. um, of just how diverse of a life that we all can have and experience. And I think um, the one thing, and I kept going back to it because I am a big believer that we all have uh, individual responsibility to do our little part. Mm -hmm. So her definition of what she's in service of, of social justice is what that really, really stuck with me when she says that we have the duty to try and make things better for everyone. Mm. Um, I think you can unpack that in so many different ways in what we, what we do. And mm. even your contribution when you talked about how do we tell those stories of that good black man or those good uh, black women mm-hmm. that we tell the narratives of what we experienced in our lives so that the ones that didn't have that good uh, experience with a black man or a black woman can understand uh, that's that's not the truth. The one thing that I also find interesting uh, in listening to you now and just reflecting on the conversation is I think that every one of us would like to think that we are the good black woman, yes. right? <laughs> and that, or that we are the good black man. And it's interesting to think of to somewhat the audacity or the ego to mm. think you are the good, mm. but then there are no others, mm-hmm. that there's so few. Mm-hmm. So it's also that specialty or that specialness effect that we'd like to have. And just a reminder that if you feel you're good, there's a lot more good out there. Absolutely. And how do you make sure that you pay attention? If you pay attention to the bad, that's all you will see mm-hmm. because that's what you're looking for and that's what you will soon will be there. Mm-hmm. But really turning this around and saying, what I, what I think is good in me or what I think is good uh, around me, I can also see it in so many other people, in mm-hmm. so many other experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the, the things that I'll ask you when you're talking about the similarity of experiences and the things that you saw in what she was talking about, experiences, similarities, but also differences. Mm-hmm. You're American, African-American, you've been here for a few years, had lived for a few years alone, just navigating the space in yourself. And you've, you've reached another level of that na- navigating <laughs> space. But, you know, you married one of those one of those many, I will say, uh, good African men. Yes. Um, yes. How does that sh- how has that shifted how you navigate the space as an American, mm-hmm. which is not just you in Africa, mm-hmm. but it's a mix of families. Yes. Families that come from very different contexts, families that have very different experiences mm-hmm. and that have very different expectations. Yeah. You know, it really does come from a place of grace. Mm-hmm. And when I say grace, it's grace that's given to me um, and then grace that I am given, that I give, because how it how I navigate it is to really come into it without an expectation that it has to be from what I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's been really important for me to come in and understand the culture, even before I got married, to come in and understand the culture and again, back to something that Amanda said with, is resonates with me always are the values. Mm. And so this was one of the things that attracted uh, me and my husband is that we have uh, the same value system and we're from two totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. 
which I think is such a big statement um, that um, we're able to do that. So it's been, it's so interesting. It has been the biggest learning experience of my life, the biggest impact. Um, But for me, it really has been, let me understand. Um, And what has happened to being welcome into the family is they have also said, let me understand. Yep. Once we look at people, not from the question, but where are you really from? We can start looking at people as into what are your values and how do we relate in a way that where you were born or where you traveled or where you lived is not the main factor for how I relate to you. Mm. But as she said, your humanity is first and foremost how I relate to you. And beyond your humanity, what can we learn about those cultures then? Mm -hmm. Because if we come in together as we're both humans first and there's value, intrinsic value in that, everything else that we bring, language, culture, the food we eat, the songs we listen to, the way we dance or where we've traveled, then become bonuses. And bonuses that we can learn to to respect and and then that helps us create a more beautiful world and where add, everybody's yeah. dignity is indeed respected and add to our life and add to our life yes <laughs> what a way to end this she brought so much joy and you've brought so much joy as well to this show and and just insights about your own lives and how we can earn, all learn from it as even neighbors it goes, it, we, we talked about it from a cultural standpoint, but it even adds to how we live in our cities today. There's no neighborhood that is not mixed. You know, there's very few families that are not themselves mixed. And the ability within one's family to intermarry, to move outside of one's borders and, and be able to look at the other really mm-hmm. for their for their humanity. Yes. Thank you thank for joining you. me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> and you will really surely be excited. back, I hope. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope I did enough, a good enough job that you would invite me back. I will have to evaluate that so far i think yes but you know let, let's see let's see how the, the i'm sure the listeners will be the one requesting for you to come back thank you so much for listening it's been great and uh keep on uh, listening to we need to talk hot fm in the gambia alternative youth radio in liberia aswa fm in nigeria african youth voices in sierra leone focus fm in ghana and of course wadr in senegal if you want to re-listen to the show go to inserviceof.org please feel free to reach out to me on all things social media, Valerie Taohe. They keep saying, I need to spell my name, Valerie, T-R-A-O-R-E. Can't wait to hear from you. Tell me about your experience and let's keep talking. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time. Bye.